What's happening, everyone? Just another sports podcast. Greg Swatek, Josh Smith, with you as always. Uh, flying by ourselves this yeah, week. Yeah, uh, just us. Uh, no uh, third party has joined us this week, Josh. I don't know if that means we've become suddenly very unpopular. Or, no, we or, just got rid of the third wheel, Greg. Well, no, we, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's better without a third wheel, and this, this will be uh, one, one we'll of those see. weeks. So, um, so we'll see if we can handle it by ourselves. Um, uh, lots to talk about this week: NBA playoffs. Um, Brandon Klein is uh, still on the major league roster with the Orioles and, and getting in games with some with some mixed uh, results. Uh, I guess there's some NFL stuff we could uh, we we could touch on briefly too. But not often we uh, were to start off a podcast talking about horse racing, but but I guess we we sort of have to this week with the with the crazy. Uh, Results in the Kentucky Derby uh, with uh, maximum security actually winning the race and then having uh, the result being being taken down uh, because um, because you made a, a a move during the race that that impeded uh, some of the other horses from accelerating near the top of the stretch. So just a wild scene. I mean, I mean, you had people that thought they'd won. They were t- cashing their tickets on maximum security. There was a 22 minute. A review process, and and then uh, there were, during that time, there were people who threw out t- what ended up being winning tickets, right? And uh, eventually, the stewards of the race they they awarded the um, the victory to uh, Country House, uh, who was who was who was the runner up, and uh, incidentally was not impeded by the by the move that Maximum Security made. So, so all of a sudden, Country House is the winner, and in a, a sport that doesn't get a lot of press outside of the. Uh, triple crown race has suddenly had a lot of juice uh, uh, this week. Just, just what were your thoughts as, as the whole process was unfolding? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm I always watch that race. I watch all the triple crown races. Um, I shouldn't say all of them. If there's a chance for a triple crown, I'm paying more attention. Obviously, if there's not, I, I don't. But um, I was definitely surprised. I, I, um, I didn't. I did. I guess I noticed something happened during the race. I don't think I understood how quite how drastic it was um to affect as many horses as it did because it is happening quick fast and you're not we're not used to seeing these things happen because most um, like most other people i only watch these three races every year so um once it was announced that it was under review i was like oh oh my goodness this could be this could be huge this could be historic and it certainly turned out to be that way and and as I was watching the telecast and as I was watching all of the different angles, it's just like the NFL now, it seems like, where, you know, review is, is a big part of this whole scene. Um, I don't know. I sort of agreed with the call. I, I don't know where you stand on it. I, I, I can honestly see both sides of it. It, it. it was interesting to note that the normally when there's – this happens in horse racing a lot, and we're, we're all casual fans, so we don't – really understand how often it does happen but normally when they're when the result is in dispute or if there's a question about something that was done during the race the steward there's a light that comes yeah. on which signals the betters this is on this rate this uh result is under review don't do what don't do what happened right. and, and and throw out your betting slips for some reason this light never came on and the stewards didn't take questions from the media after the race to sort of explain their thinking and, and 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 how they worked through the process. So I don't know. I think they did. I, I didn't watch that 
uh, press conference, quote unquote. It wasn't a press conference. It was essentially just the stewards delivering a statement. I don't know that they didn't explain the reasoning. They did. They said exactly what the reason why he was disqualified. Well, they they didn't think they didn't take questions. They didn't take questions, which someone could have asked why didn't the light come on to to signify that the result was in question. During the race, I think NBC, as they came around the uh, top of the stretch there, I think NBC was on the overhead. They had an overhead view of the race. And I noticed I noticed the move by maximum security. I Again, being the horse racing novice that I am, I, I didn't think anything of it. But I'm like, whoa, that, that, that horse just cut across uh, several myth- lanes, as, as they sure. call them. Um I, I think the right call was made. I mean, the, the horse definitely impeded uh, War of Wills, and I, th- I think there was another horse uh, in there too that that, yeah. re- that really was affected. But at the same time, I, I could see the other side of the coin saying these are big animals charging around the bend at high speeds. Like, how realistic is it that they're going to stay in their mythical lanes? But Greg, how many times have you actually seen that happen in the, in all of the Triple Crown races that you've watched? You don't see that happen. So it did happen, and it was incredibly noticeable, and it could have been a damn catastrophe if not for the oh, very yeah. agile horse War of Will, I guess was right behind Maximum Security, made a, a, a miraculous move to avoid falling, you know, colliding with the feet of the of the leading yeah, horse and, and, we'll, and causing a pileup. And we'll get into that in a second. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's no question that, that – that the horse made a ill-advised move, but the horse wasn't reacting to the jockey. The horse was right. spooked by the crowd, or whatever got the attention of the horse caused them to that veer, doesn't matter to though. veer out from the rail. The horse was acting on its own. It's an animal you can't yeah. control. I mean, <laughs> you can only control the animal to a certain extent. Even the most skilled jockeys uh, know that. So the right call was made. Um, the question would be: Maximum Security was l- likely the best horse in the race. He probably would have won the race, sure, uh, anyway. And and it, it's it's a technicality, but I also see the point where you can't. If you start making exceptions to these rules, then we're on a really slippery slope of the next time it happens, who who could lo- file a thing. complaint or lodge a complaint. So. That's the thing. It is by the letter of the law, he needed to be disqualified because he he veered numerous lanes out of the lane that he was supposedly in and he impeded other horses while doing that um it doesn't matter to me that it's the, i mean you hear these arguments like you don't do this in the kentucky derby like the column i read by andrew Byer just i think two days ago in the washington post he said this is like deciding game seven of the nba finals by calling a foul away from the ball i don't really agree with that you have no idea. Look, look. War of Wills was will was right behind Maximum Security, um, and and was the one that was largely affected by this move and caused this domino effect. You, no one knows what would have happened if if Maximum Security just stayed in his lane and kept running. Maybe War of Will overtakes him. You you don't know. I mean, you can say that horse was the best. The one that crossed first was the best horse in the field, but you don't know what the heck would happen if that wouldn't have that that lane change wouldn't have occurred the amazing thing to me is this hasn't happened more often yeah in, in the in front in the lead of a race yeah. like this like it, it, it's probably happened before a ton of times in the derby but in toward the back the middle or the back of the pack exactly. where, where, where no one's going to file a, a major complaint and yeah it's not, it's not going to affect the outcome of the race let me ask you this um so y- the stewards obviously played a huge role in what occurred here and everybody saw them 
sitting in front of screens and watching screens and all of these different views, how much do you think um, that, like the idea that they knew they were being watched as they were watching the replays? How much do you think that affected their decision? It could it could have, but I th- I think they're because beholden to the to the rule book and and they made the best decision in regards to the rules and they weren't going to set the precedent of making an exception here because yeah then you have to start making ex- exceptions for for everyone that that might that might have a com- a similar complaint and again we're on the slippery slope of then where where is the sport uh, really going? The thing that I don't think is talked about enough and is not appreciated enough is how close thoroughbred racing came to ending yeah uh, that, complete, completely. that's a great point yes because if war if if war if, I, I think uh some of the accounts including uh, the great tim layden of sports illustrated i think war wills his front legs passed between maximum right, security's right. back legs if they clip and the ho- and a bunch of horses go down and who knows what happens to these tiny jockeys like horse racing is is is, is is over, especially given the year they've had with all these horses dying at like Santa Anita and stuff like that. Like you, <laughs> it was funny. Like our Saturday paper, which previewed the Kentucky Derby, the column you ran on the front page said that the last thing horse racing could, could um, afford is a, as a as a major catastrophe happening in a, in the <laughs> biggest right. race in the sport, the biggest stage in the sport, in the Kentucky Derby. Well, we were about a couple inches. Within a couple of inches yeah. of, of that exact thing happening, and I think that, so. and I think that was a factor as well. I think these stewards they know that they know the tone of what's going on in horse racing now. They they know what happened, what's happened in Santa Anita in California, where all those horses have died. Uh, that had to have factored into the decision, like what what could have happened if they had clipped they had clipped clipped heels or and and caused a pile up. I mean we. These jockeys, that's an incredibly dangerous thing that they do. People get paralyzed. I way back when, I'm sure there was death deaths on the on the racetrack um, because of spills that, that take place. Um, who knows what in the heck could have happened if, if there was a pile up there? And, so. and, and, it, and it doesn't even take that much for a horse to be scratched from a race, yeah. or or for the decision to be made for yeah. the horse to be put down. Right. Uh, they are uh, incredibly you, fragile. Euthanized. Yeah. Right. Like horses have been scratched from races because they have a little nick in their hoof or whatever. So right. Like really tiny, a really tiny breathing issue, which apparently is affecting Country House and will keep them out of the Preakness. I mean, these are. It's like handling glass almost. Yeah, and like so. I, when all of that was going down, I was getting text messages from a couple of different people, and um, one of the people, one of the two people that were texting with me were my father and my brother. My brother is a race car driver, and so my brother knows knows jack squat about horse racing. He he, he will would readily admit that. I mean, I I'm uh, you know not much more of an expert than he is, but he's saying like, oh, I you know they should allow contact among the horses. This this should be no big deal that they bump into each other that they you know, cause each other to maneuver. And, and I'm like, whoa, I'm like, no, I was like, you don't understand how fragile these animals are and how, if one fault, one false step could essentially end a horse's life. Yeah. Um, Literally uh, like if a fingernail is out of place, it's a big deal. And that's why there's so many people coming out these days who say the sport should not even exist anyway. I'm not saying that, but you know, there needs to be rules. There are rules in place to keep them as safe as possible while they're thundering around the track well the other thing was that we haven't brought up was like how people were saying like well come on it's a huge field of horses they were running in wet conditions you know obviously uh it's not ideal for any of these horses and the leading horse just so happened to 
you know, uh, veer out of his lane and, you know, take all of these factors into consideration. I still don't agree with that. I, I still watched all the replays and I think he just went way too far out of, out of his lane and caused too much of a domino effect. And even though it didn't affect the horse that essentially won, became the winning, the winning horse, it, I think it was the right call. Yeah. I mean, and the striking thing to me about the race was, uh, the jockey for maximum security on, on you just mentioned the sloppy track. Luis Saez, the jockey on maximum yeah. security, didn't have like yeah. a, dro- a drop of mud Neither did on, the horse. Uh, on him because the horse was in front the, the entire whole race, so it, it didn't have anyone like splashing mud. Uh, so I, I thought yeah. one of the more remarkable things was the jockey was totally clean, so and so was the horse on like one of the sloppiest tracks probably yeah. in, in, in in derby history. And meanwhile, so. the, the jockey for Country House was like caked in mud. He had he had a big glop of mud on his nose while they right. were interviewing about the objection on live television. So so, that, so that, I, I saw a lot of people saying, you you know how good Maximum Security was running that race because he didn't have a drop of mud on him on on, on a sloppy track. So the the big problem here now is is very obvious, and it's that. It takes the wind out of the sails of that sport for for the rest of the year, yeah. because now there's no chance. Maximum security is, is was disqualified, so um, even if he ran in the Preakness, you're not going to have a triple crown threat. He's even out of the Preakness. The horse that won the Derby, Country House, is not running in the Preakness. So what do you? What there's no reason to watch, right? Well, I mean, it's sort of a double edged sword because. Racing is benefiting from all the exposure sure. and publicity this is getting, but at the same time, yeah, you're t- you're taking away, you're taking the engine out of the car essentially, and and and, and removing any hope of a triple crown for this yeah. uh, season. And we've had triple crowns in two of the last um, three years with Justify, and before that, American Pharaoh, who 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 broke the the, the major drought there. Uh, dating back to affirmed in 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 seventy eight, but yeah, I mean the question is where does this go from here? I don't think there's much of an appeal process within the sport. Uh, the, the the stewards have made their ruling, and and it's, it's not like there's a big court, a court yeah. or tribunal set up where it's not like the court system where this goes through various channels. I guess the owner of Maximum Security, uh, who was trying to win his first, he, he's a older guy. I think he's in his seventies. He'd never yeah. won the Derby before. And just just imagine that emotional swing, thinking you finally did it. Uh, it, it's a jockey who's run the Derby seven times. He's never won uh, before, um, and and he thought he had done it. And then just to have that all disappear in, in, in the span of 20 minutes, um, I, I guess he could take this into the court system and and try and have the result overturned somehow but um i have a real problem with that i don't know how you feel about it um well the whole thing is tarnished for everyone now it is so i mean if i if i'm the country house people i'm not feeling great or i'm not feeling like it was a a definitive kentucky derby win there so yeah i i I see that point too but um the problem i have with this guy potentially pursuing a you know a federal case or appeal in federal court is the the stewards are the experts they right <laughs> they're hired to do what ex- exactly what they did and i'm not sure a and, judge and they're, they're on solid footing too yeah. with their decision the horse clearly veered into the path of other horses yeah so i don't know enough about the law i'm sure there's probably some loophole that they could pursue to try to get this overturned but i'm sorry those are the people that are hired to do exactly what they did and no judge is more of an expert on this stuff than than one of the stewards right it was funny because monday morning it was announced that maximum security's owner was was pulling the horse out of the preakness 
And then it was either later in the day or early Tuesday where, where the news broke that Country House apparently had a breathing issue. And to show yeah. you, again, to emphasize how fragile these animals are, a respiratory issue two weeks before the race is knocking the horse out of the race. Um, and I think all these guys are on heightened alert now with anything that has to do with these horses, right. these big-name horses now, because God forbid they run them, something happens to them, and everybody's like, oh, and oh yeah, by the way, he had a breathing issue before the Preakness. We just decided right. to run him. Yeah, anyway. all the animal rights groups are already all over them about how yeah. the horses are cared for and treated. But I was just curious, had maximum security's owner known that country house was going to be pulled from the race had he had he yeah. waited, had he waited a, a, a few days to make his decision before pulling maximum security out of the preakness would he have kept maximum security in the race on the hopes that okay say this derby result gets overturned again yep. and then say his horse who's unbeaten i, th- I think yeah. in, in in five five in five tries five yeah. for five um goes on to win the preakness in the belmont he has the derby result over, overturned and then Sort yeah, of, it's sort of backing your way <laughs> into the triple. Yeah, crown I there, was really so. surprised. I don't know that there is a health issue with that horse or what, but I was I was really surprised. That he was I, I think from he was. I, I think he was. It was sort of an attitude of um, now that I'm not getting what I want, what I want, I'm taking my ball and and going home, and I'm not going to let the racing industry benefit over watching my horse running. Who who knows? Right, but, uh, it, it, total speculation, and I guess. On, on 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 my part but yeah i mean there's lots of arguments for both sides i think um were you going to mention the baffert um quote i guess uh w- was pretty was a pretty point uh, well yeah. well pointed um remark he made to tim laden of sports Illustrated. yeah he said the best horse won the race i mean and that, and that goes to the people that are like not tr- trying to like say like what's what's the big deal the best horse won anyway but still, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if, if you start allowing moves like that, it, it, the next time it happens, you're, you're going to be forced. That's to make what I agree with. Decision, yeah, so. I, I, you know, I just keep going back to it. I've I watch these Triple Crown races every year. I have since like 1988. I, I remember vividly the first year that I watched these Triple Crown races. Yeah, because they're they're quick. I mean, you, I mean, you don't have to watch the five hours of yeah. of hype. They're, they're it's it's five minutes out of your day. Um, there it, it's interesting and, and with, with, with the stakes involved and the money yeah. and, and the prestige involved. But, so. Yeah. But my point is all of those years, I've never seen happen what happened on Saturday. Yeah, that, that's the so, amazing part. It's never happened in, in one of those races at the front of the pack that affected the yeah. result. So I, I think there was uh, one previous Derby winner um, taken down, but for something the horse was doing illegally in the bill, it was, it didn't, right. It didn't happen during the race. Exactly. The, the reason was, why the horse was taken down, it, it happened. It was prior, like a week prior later the, or something. Prior to the race, it was taking some illegal drug or, or I, I don't know. I forget the exact story. Um, but this was the first time it had happened because of an event that transpired during the race. But it was just amazing to me because if there's a major pileup and a bunch of horses go down and have to be put down, I, I'm wondering if we're even ha- <laughs> having a Preakness in a couple weeks. Exactly. So And the Preakness has its own issues with well, <laughs> let's well, not even try well, to get well, into right. that well, where they're going to run it um oh, is, is is pimlico uh a uh, uh, viable venue still speaking of court yeah. cases uh, that's you know yeah that's where that that's where they're they're taking uh arguments about the preakness right and and i'll still watch the preakness i mean i mean even though there's no I, I, again because it's not it's not much of a commitment um exactly it, 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 there's a curiosity who's going to win so um, will, it, will it affect and it's almost, will it affect attendance and television ratings? Uh, yes, most certainly, because not everyone might have the same curiosity. So. I was going to say, there's also the train wreck factor now. I mean, 
right. you hate to say that, but you're, you're right. going to want to tune in to just to make sure nothing catastrophic yeah, happens. Yeah, and, and again, that, that's how the sport is sort of benefiting from this is um, is it's created a lot of interest among people that don't normally pay attention. So um, the NBA playoffs are going on. We're in the we're in the second round now. Um, uh, we have two um, two uh, game sixes coming up. Um, uh, Toronto is trying to stay or excuse me, Philly is trying to stay alive, stay alive against Toronto, and um, and uh, Portland will try and stay alive at home against um, uh, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the other two series, I think, are are drawing more attention and, and are, have more intrigue with them. With the Warriors, the the two time defending champs, three of the last four years, um, they're taking on the Rockets. That series is tied at two two. And then you have the Milwaukee Bucks, um, uh, the, the, best, the the best team in the league all, all season long. Really, um, they have a three one lead over the Celtics. It looks like they'll advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. And uh, the point I wanted to bring up was, I mean, we sort of have taken for granted that the Warriors are just going to just roll to their next championship. And I and, think and, you have. Yeah. I mean, we, we, uh, certainly, uh, I, I've been one of those people that have had trouble seeing anyone knock off yeah. the Warriors and it's just presumed that they'll be the eventual NBA champions. I mean, we, we've, we've had a running joke for a long time. Hey, it's our, who's going to be in the NBA finals uh, <laughs> segment. And, and, and the Warriors are always one, one of the, it's, part of the reason why it's a funny segment because yeah. our answers are always almost the same but i've watched the milwaukee bucks now uh, uh, a few times in this playoffs and i'm really starting to genuinely believe that they're, they're the best team in the league and and could beat golden state if, if that ends up being uh, the matchup why so, well i mean they have one of the top i think two players in the league now in in, in Giannis, right uh who's unstoppable once he gets ahead of steam going and they're just so well built i mean they're they're just such a team i mean yes they're heavily relying on him but they also have uh big guys that can shoot they have a bench they have depth um they have a good point guard um they they just have everything that good basketball teams have and And they're quietly doing what they're right right they play in milwaukee they don't have a lot of uh attention or or spotlight on them cachet cachet is a good word um, and I'm starting to think, and with the Warriors and their issues, and, and there's a lot of talk about Kevin Durant leaving and, what, and what's the future going to look like with the Warriors, and, it, and that's if they get by the Rockets. I mean, the Rockets have played them as well as anyone over the last two years, Yeah, and, and they're back in the series now, um, and, and, and if something, a, a bounce goes their way in, in, in Game 5, they could be coming home looking for a closeout in Game 6. Um, they had the chance last year to knock them out, and, and they couldn't do it, but sort of start to see the end of the Warriors dynasty coming into focus a little bit here. I think there's a real threat to it right now. I really do. And and then I know that both of these teams have just held serve at home their home courts. I right. get that. Um, so it's going to take, you know, I, Houston's going to have to steal one here. Um, but, man, I think they're really capable. I think they are just so hungry. And the guy that I think is really making a big difference is Eric Gordon. That guy's been really clutch. I don't know what he's shooting from three-point range in this yep. series, but every time I see him take a shot, he makes it. Yeah, P.J. P. Tucker, too, is a Tucker's guy always that, been that yeah. they can shoot. So it, it's funny when you watch the series because the Rockets are now taking more three-pointers than, than the, the Warriors. The Warriors right. And it's not even close in some games. They're taking yeah. like 10 to 15 more three-pointers than the Warriors. It's in a, it's kind of surprising to me that in watching as some of these games, and a lot of times I'm working while I'm while I'm trying to see what's going on too. Is that Clay Thompson 
is disappearing a lot in in these games. He's not played well. Um, that's a problem, I think. Steph has made some mistakes. Like, what was yeah, that? Yeah, what was yeah, he doing? Yeah, he, had a, he had a horrible game three on Saturday night. Yeah, where he missed, I think, two or three layups, and then at the end of the game, he gets a dunk to. I think I don't know if that would have pulled. Tie, I forget if that it would have pulled him within two. It would have pulled him within two, and I think he got caught in between dunking and laying the ball up, and he went for a dunk, and he totally brick the dunk which I, I just can't believe he did that I, you just don't see him make those mistakes right. and, and 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 in, in a moment like that why is he trying to dunk I'd love to see the numbers his, his dunk numbers per year of his career like I've no no idea how many times he dunks a season but it's probably not many and it's because he's not really it's good like, at l- it less than 20 yeah so he's, so, I mean, he's, he's one of the shorter players in the league at yeah six three so I mean and his and vertical leaping is not his thing so he, he's perfectly capable of dunking I've yes. seen him do it before but but yes he's in not that like, moment he's not like throwing it down like Giannis or Durant or LeBron or yeah any, or people like that so, so I was just really kind of surprised that he plus he's not even shooting that well. Like, he's not. Uh, he he. There's reports he has a uh, he, his finger. He, he's got a finger issue, which um, he dislocated it the other yeah, night. Yeah, w- which might be affecting his. Um, probably is affecting sure. his shooting because he's missed so many three pointers. Um, I mean, there's a couple ways you could look at this too. I mean, it's two two, but Golden State could have won both the games in Houston. Mm-hmm. Houston was up by ten with a couple minutes to go on uh, Monday. And Golden State had two shots, two shot, two good looks to to tie that game with Durant and Steph on uh, three yeah. pointers, and they and they both they both. Missed. How amazing so. is it though? Like you, we were watching these games, and it doesn't matter how much of a lead Houston has. You just like you just know when the fourth quarter comes, and this is what people always say about the NBA: everybody makes a run in the fourth quarter, and it's true. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, Houston it was playing really well, um, and damned if Golden State didn't get it together, and Durant just keeps. He's he's been on fire in the second half of these games and has really been carrying them even in losses. But um, yeah, just great series to watch. Every time we watch it, I'm just I'm just awed by the talent on the court. I continue saying that I've said I said at the NCAA tournament too. Just watching these kids and what they can do athletically, and then when you turn on NBA, like I don't know how anybody I don't know how anybody doesn't like the NBA. I just I don't get that. It's, it's full of superstars. They're spectacular athletes. They're doing stuff that like just it's never been done before in terms of some of the shooting, the range, and yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's just a great. They're the best league. athletes in the world when you take into account the size and the skill. Yeah, the combination of the two, uh, size and skill. I mean, they're, they're. I don't think there's any question they're the best athletes in the world. So. Yeah, but but. Uh, the Warriors. I mean, they they don't have the bench they used to have. Steph's another mm-hmm. year older. Durant's talking That's really about really true. Yeah, Clay's older. So Cousins might be coming back though. He says he's not. They're not. I I can't believe that. I mean, he tore his quad on April twenty fourth, and and yeah. what what are we two and a half weeks removed from that? And he's going to get back and do an NBA game. I I think that's. A little bit of lip service. There. I can't see that so. happening. I don't know that it would really even help him if he came back and he's hobbling around out there and is, right. is well, trying to trying to get his legs I mean, back Houston, under him. Houston, ha- it's not a series for big guys. Right. I mean, because Houston has a good one in Clint Capella and he can't even get on the court just because Golden State's going small and 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 he can't, he's not fast enough to to stay with the game. Yeah. So because he's more of a plotting uh, center. So, but. My point is, you could so, sort of start to see the demise of the Warriors. I mean, Houston's really challenged them in in the last uh, two years now, 
And Milwaukee looks like quietly they look like the real deal. Uh, Giannis is, is is amazing. And if you watch the rest of their team too, they're just very well built and they play well together. So I wouldn't be shocked if Milwaukee actually won that won the so you're championship not getting, this year. Not giving Philly or Toronto any hope nope. of knocking I, 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 Milwaukee I, I, out. T- Toronto's just come up so small in, in situations like this before. I mean, they've been swept in previous Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Kawhi Leonard really is a great player for them, but um, I just don't know if if Toronto's Toronto's not as well built as Milwaukee is. So I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think they you don't have the breakthrough. And, 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 you don't think they have the breakthrough in them? No, and and, and Philly's way too fractured. I mean, Embiid's not fully healthy. <laughs> yeah. uh, Simmons can't shoot. It seems like every one of their players that they count on has That's some sort of issue. So, um, so I think Milwaukee rolls through the East. And then it'll be it'll be a great series if if, um, if they wind up playing gold. All right, who's State, your finals so. pick? We got to do this. Like, who's who's going uh, to the NBA I, finals? I, I think. <laughs> well, we're actually getting close to where it's a little more relevant now it is, than, finally. Than, than back in like November. Yeah. Uh, doing the segment, but um, I'll stick with Golden State. They're going to get past Houston and whoever wins the Denver Portland series, and I'll say Milwaukee. Ooh. So. Man, um, my my. Now I said I even said not that long ago that I thought Boston was going to win the East and Boston was going to the finals. My yeah. NBA finals, pretty much every time we do this, has been Boston and Golden State. So that's looking unlikely now because Boston's yeah. on the ropes. But I'll, I'll I'll switch my I'll stick with Golden State and I'll switch my pick to to Milwaukee. All right. So, uh, so baseball, um, uh, the Orioles, um, uh. I mean, the Orioles sort of are what, what <laughs> as Denny Green would say, they are uh, who we thought they were. Exactly. Um, but the intrigue with the Orioles, for us anyway, is, is, is Brandon Klein, the, the, the local he's product. He's sticking. It looks like he's sticking. Yeah, they, 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 they like his stuff, and, and they could definitely use his arm uh, because um, there are a lot of great arms to rely upon. In that their starters game, are so. – and plus their starters are just – they don't go deep into games. Their right. starters are terrible. And it was last uh, last Thursday or Friday, I believe, Mr. Klein got in a game, um, uh, pitched uh, two innings, and got his first major league win. Uh, yep. p- uh, pitching against the, first, yeah, p- pitching against the uh, the the White Sox. I, it was. I, it was I, the first I, game I, of I a doubleheader. Yeah, yeah. The, right. Um, and, and and he got his first big league win. Um, got in the game again last night against against and, the Red Sox. Let's talk about that win, though. He he. He showed what he what he can be at his best, I think, in that in that win. Did you were you able to catch that? You were off that day, I think, weren't you? I was off uh that day, yes. Um but I was following online. Okay. So, yeah, or, I, or on my phone. I was I, I was actually I think I had the game cast on my phone. Yeah, I was actually in transit. I was only able to watch what he did in the in the post game. They showed um a lot of his pitches. And he was doing, you know, he was throwing it in the upper 90s. It was like 97. His fastball, he was painting the corners with it. And um, that was really him at his best, I think. And yeah, his, his fastball isn't a concern. It's, it's getting that slider and some of those secondary pitches. Yeah. Hitting, hitting his spot more consistently with that. I, I think that's the only issue. Otherwise, he's a certified <laughs> major league pitcher in just about every way. So Yeah, that's why I think he's going to stick. And uh, they don't – I mean, we, we – they don't have great options in, and, in, in the minors. And let's say he struggles. Like, is it going to destroy his he's confidence? He's 27 years old. Is, is it going to destroy his confidence? Probably not because he's always had a good head on his shoulders and he doesn't let things overly affect him positively or negatively. Like, he's 
He's very good about letting things roll off his back. So if he has a couple of bad outings, is it going to destroy him? Probably not. Good example of that is last night he gives up the three-run homer. They're tied. It's 3-3. He comes in in the fifth inning. You know, he relieves, I think it was David Hess. He has trouble to start with. He gives up a he gives up a hit and a walk, and then he gives up a three-run home run to Mitch Moreland. And he saw him on TV. He just kind of like shook his head. He's like, you know, he was trying to shake it off. He was pissed at himself, and he was shaking it off. Came out, he came back and he struck two guys out and he got out of the inning, you know, unscathed the rest of the way. So, a good example of right. what you're saying with a head on his shoulders. And it, it doesn't matter if he struggles either because the Orioles have no yeah. expectations. It doesn't matter if they win. It's almost like it doesn't matter. The right. same thing, it doesn't matter if Chris Davis goes 0 for 98 or it, whatever. It, just let, let, let him get the experience and, 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 and try and make something of this, of this stay in the big leagues and, and, and see what he could actually become. Rather than yanking him back and forth, I think the Orioles helped ruin Ke- Kevin Gosman this way. Yeah, because they kept yanking him back and forth between AAA and the majors, and and he they would do it like, however they they would hit the maximum number of times they were allowed to do it per season. It seemed, um, and they kept doing it over and over, and I I think that just kind of ruined uh, Kevin Gosman at least uh, in Baltimore. So. It, it doesn't matter if he struggles. And so, yeah, so, so, what so, I keep so, harping on is that he's t- he's 27. He's been in the minors. He's been through the system. He's been through hell with injuries. Just, just you know what I mean. And, like, and he's overcome he's, all of it. Yeah. And he's mature. He's a mature guy. He's a he's a grown man. I mean, he's not like some 22 year old kid that they drafted last year and they rushed him through the system. So, I I would really like to see him just kind of s- stay with the team and right. see what he can do. Interesting side note, uh, in the game he pitched last night, it was against the Red Sox, the team he grew yeah. up idolizing. He was a huge, big Red Sox fan, even though he grew up here in Frederick. Um, and he was also drafted by the Red Sox um, in uh, 2009 in the, in the sixth round, right out of TJ High School uh, here in Frederick. So, so it must have been somewhat surreal for him You're right. uh, to pitch against the Red Sox last night. He was probably thinking, wow, I'm in a, I'm in a game pitching against uh, the Boston Red Sox. So. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm interested in seeing the Orioles keep Klein in the majors and and see what he's got. If he starts to really struggle, then of course you have the option of knocking him back down to AAA. Uh, but as long as he's uh, holding his own, why why not just leave him on the on the major league roster? So our other local baseball team, uh, the Nationals, is is struggling big time. Uh, they've just been so injury prone. I mean, you hate to make excuses for them, but but it's true. Like Anthony Rendon just came back. Um, uh, Trey Turner's been out with a uh, with a uh, 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 finger uh, hand injury mm-hmm. of of some sort. Um, Matt Adams, their first baseman, just went on the DH. Ryan Zimmerman has plantar fasciitis, which is a nightmare injury to to come back from. Um, so and and they've just been so. Juan Soto has a 19 year old, 20 year old kid is having back spasms. I, uh, I saw that. I couldn't believe uh, that the other day. Which is, and they put him on the injured list with back spasms. I know. I was like, so. I've had back spasms because you know I sit at a desk and I'm 40 years old right. and I sit in a cubicle. I can't believe that this finely tuned 20 year old kid is having back spasms. But yeah, he's becoming an old man like, before our very eyes. Like, what, seriously, what in the hell is going on with the Nationals? And why are these guys always getting? Why are they so injury prone? It's a, it's a good question. I mean, maybe maybe people will start looking at their training staff a little bit, seeing if there's anything uh, that they're doing that maybe they, they, they shouldn't be doing. So uh, they, they fired their pitching coach because, because uh, they haven't, I've, they've pitched. Okay. I mean, Scherzer has been okay. I think Strasburg has been okay. I don't think pitching has been their big issue. They're, they're, the bullpen, the, the starting pitching has been good. The bullpen yeah. has been terrible. Uh, and, and it's been one of the worst in the majors so far. So, 
So yeah, the Nats have the Nats have issues. I I, I think uh, you picked them last year, and and, and they they. <laughs> Thanks for continuing you. to point that out, yeah. Greg. Well, you'll continue to remind me that I. Uh, I will pick, pick that I picked the Golden State Warriors, or uh, I or that you so, didn't like Baker Mayfield. Right. right. So um, I actually thought this was going to be the year for the Nationals, because just because they, yes, they sort of quietly had World Series. Yeah, we talked about this, but, but it was more lower profile. So, um, but. Um, you can't win a pennant in April and May and June, but you can certainly lose it. And yeah. if they fall too far behind the Phillies and some of the other teams in their division, they they could be um, fighting uphill all season. And the Nats don't have a track record of when they've won the division before, when they've made the playoff, they've been a front-running team all season. They're, they're front-runners. That, that, that's who they are. There's no track record of the Nats coming from behind to, to win a, a division or make the playoffs. So. When's, the, when's the next game you get to cover? Uh, next Friday, I'll I'll see him against the the Chicago Cubs. So I actually get the I'll get actually get to write that story. So you'll uh, Joe Ferraro is you'll, going you'll, to be incredibly jealous. Yes, you'll 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 see you'll see you'll see my byline finally. Um, That's going to uh, be cool uh, at, at a Nats game. So so yeah, looking forward to that. So uh, NFL, there's not a whole lot. Uh, it, it's it, oh here's the thing I wanted to talk about with the NFL. What, what's your take on this? This, uh, these guys not showing up for OTAs. I mean, it's voluntary. Is, is it a big deal? Is it not a big Wait, deal? Did we talk about this? Uh, we, wasn't it a we, couple of weeks we, ago we, we when Tom Coughlin? We, 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 yeah, we didn't we, talk we, about we, it. We did. I think we were we were throwing. We might have thrown some yes. people on the boat as a result. Yeah, because so. Jalen Ramsey didn't show right. up. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell didn't show up. Okay, I do have a problem. If you are new to a team, and you are a guy like Le'Veon Bell who hasn't played in more than a year. I think you need to show up for the for the right. the voluntary. And the reason why you were sitting out before is you uh, you you claim you weren't getting paid, even though you were. Yeah. If you just accepted the franchise tag, you would have been the highest paid running back in the league, just about. But so you're finally paid. You have a new team, a new system, a new offense. Yeah, you would think you would want to show up too. Same same in the case with Odell Beckham, who hasn't shown up the Browns' voluntary work either. And again, it's something you. I mean, just, you're a receiver. You might want to get some as many reps as possible with right. your quarterback. Right. So this, this is where I might resort to my phrase that it's a bad look. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. Odell, for, uh, you're going to be saying that a lot for uh, <laughs> <laughs> with that guy. Probably. Uh, I'm going to be really. I I just look. There's no doubting that guy's talent. Um, and you know that I root for the Browns for yeah. a couple of different reasons because of you and because right. I I really genuinely do enjoy watching Baker Mayfield play. But if there's any reason that I will enjoy watching them continue to lose, it's because of Odell Beckham Jr. and he, the yeah. fact that he's a complete diva, and I can't stand his personality. They, they've gone out on a limb with yeah. him and his personality, and he gets it. He no look about it. He he does not stay healthy. He doesn't have a great history of, of staying healthy he's as a, well. He's a smaller guy, right? So I, there's a lot of things in there that I question about him. Yeah. Um, so and, and 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 not showing up. I totally agree with you. He he look. By and large, no. I don't think you, it's a big deal if stars don't show up to these. Yeah, things. I mean, in, but in like October, if if the yeah. Vikings or the Browns or the Jets were to lose a game, is anyone going to say, no. "Well, Le'Veon Bell on May sixth, he wasn't at OTAs," <laughs> so so that that's that's the reason why uh, they're struggling. No, but you're setting you're, you're setting an example. You're, you're, setting, yeah. you're setting a precedent. You're 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 showing your teammates how bought in to this invested thing, you how are. invested is a better word how invested you are in in in, in building this team so so yeah i i, I de- yes it's voluntary I, I don't think it's a big grant big deal in the grand scheme of things 
but yeah, she would like to see some of these new players um, yeah. sh- show up. So, all right, it's boat time. Uh, who, who, who are we throwing on this week? Yeah, I had str- I had a struggle this week coming up with somebody, and then yeah, right th- the boat is almost getting too full. Like <laughs> I, I, I did too. It's like who else could we throw on this thing? It's not. It's it's not. It's a it's a gigantic boat. It's uh, there is no limit to the number of people that we can put on this boat. True, and then we have the black hole option too. Yes. So 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 last week, I think it was 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 within the, within the last week, it was announced that the Minnesota Vikings would not pick up the fifth-year option on former first-round draft pick Laquan Treadwell. And I did a jig because I was incredibly scared that they were going to throw $10 million at that loser to lock up his fifth year. A receiver that can't catch. He's so terrible. He is one of my least favorite players on that team. He is one of the worst draft picks in their history. I think I'm safe in saying that. Really, he's Wasn't one there of their favorite. Troy Williamson. No, Troy, or, Williamson. Or, or, or Troy Williamson. He and Troy Williamson will will. Uh, there's name. Their names will live together in infamy among Vikings fans. Troy Williamson was a top ten pick the year after they traded Randy Moss. That is the guy they drafted to replace Randy Moss. Your brother will know him because he is a former South Carolina Gamecock. Right, and he was maybe the worst receiver in the NFL for a time. He could not he was a receiver who could not catch. We we do that does happen and, and he is the example there. And the Vikings have found another one in Laquan Treadwell. Treadwell has he he has better hands than Troy Williamson did, but he can't run. Like he's a receiver. He's a wide receiver who wasn't, was wasn't his work ethic questioned and he like wouldn't show up in no, shape and no, he, he had shape, really he had issues with an injury in college and it took him a little while to he broke his leg. It is a severely broken leg at Ole Miss his junior year or sophomore year. And it was it was a long recovery for him. He did end up playing, you know, a year after that and had a thousand yard season and was drafted in the twenties in the first round, number twenty something by the Vikings. And God, he has been a letdown. Like, you know, he's look, look at their receiving core. Who do they have? An undrafted free agent in Adam Thielen and a fifth round draft pick in Stefan Diggs, who right. are who make up one of the best receiving tandems in the NFL. There's organizations that re- I think the Patriots are one of them. They'll refuse to they draft, don't receiver draft receivers in, in, in the first right. round. I, and, I, and I think that is a good practice, unless you're talking about two guys in particular, three guys maybe, Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson types, Odell Beckham was another one. Like These are guys that are like can't miss. There aren't, but there are just, what I'm saying is there aren't many can't miss wide receivers. You, just, you shouldn't take them in the first and round. Moss and – Odell, you could define as diva type receivers. Yeah, Calvin Johnson's the rare guy who lived up to his first round hype and re- really just went about his business without worrying too much about all right. the, the sideshow stuff. So, but but he never won anything with the Lions. So. No, he didn't. But any anyway, back to Lacron Treadwell. He it will not be a Viking after this season. I would love it if they actually cut him anyway, <laughs> just to be rid of him. Um, that's not going to happen because he's a first round pick. So he's going on the boat. Yeah. I don't watch a lot of these uh, opinion shows like the first takes and the undisputed and all these people will just blathering back and forth. Kind of like we're doing right now. Shouting sports opinions. Yes, exactly. So (laughs) you could, you could argue maybe we do it in a more reasonable fashion, but, but, but maybe you, maybe you wouldn't argue that. So, um, but a a couple of headlines have come out of them recently from Max Kellerman, who's a, who's a fairly, (laughs) Oh yeah, I saw this, uh, a respectable boxing analyst of certainly. And then, and he's a, generally seen as a level-headed guy with with reasonable takes um but just today or yesterday he claimed that larry fitzgerald was 
not he wasn't in that Hall of Fame oh. receiver. I thought you were talking about something else, but go on. Yeah, well, he Max is like getting eaten up by the hot take machine here. I think because he, okay. he's, like, he's like getting infected. I saw another one. I was he, going to mention he's getting infected, and then something there, there was another one about Kobe, Kobe. Bryant. Yeah, yeah, saying that. Uh, uh, Kobe wasn't as clutch as Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> who who hasn't won anything with the Did like. You, like I, I I'm not sure I could think of like five clutch situations that Kawhi well, Leonard's ever been in. Did you see the clip? Like I I happened to see the clip online. I think it was, I think it was Jay Williams maybe who was a, who was a side who was yeah. also on the and he goes he's, he's an ESPN employee yeah. who they throw on this show first take and so so Kellerman says that and Jay Williams goes name one, like name one. He's like name some. Yeah. Of these clutch moments and like out of Kellerman yeah, couldn't. Now Kawhi's played in the NBA Finals before with the Spurs, but he wasn't like their. I mean, he was one of their best players, but he wasn't like the guy that. I mean, you had Tony Parker, you had Tim Duncan. He wasn't the guy that had to win a game for him. Like Kobe had to win games for the Lakers. Like if he didn't do it, no one was going to do it. Ron Artest so, wasn't going to do so it. So I'm I, I'm not sure I could think of like five clutch situations that Kawhi Leonard's ever been in in his life, let alone in a big yeah. game. So so to argue that Kawhi. Who's, who's won a couple blowout type games for the Raptors over yeah. the Sixers is more clutch than Kobe is a bit bizarre. Listen to me. And then like attacking Larry Fitzgerald, who yes, he's never won a Super Bowl, but but his resume certainly uh, speaks of a Hall you, of Fame type player. All you need to know about Larry Fitzgerald. Anybody listen. Anybody who slams Larry Fitzgerald for anything should be fired. Because look at his quarterbacks over the years, right? And that, all that, of these had the, to deal that, with. That's the point. He's never had a great quarterback. Uh, Kurt, yeah. Kurt Warner, who people would argue is a borderline Hall of Famer, he got in, but uh, he's a but Kurt Warner was his best quarterback. Yeah, he's ever played with. And and also by all accounts, by the way, Larry Fitzgerald is like one of the greatest guys in professional sports. Right. So right. anybody who says anything yeah, about him yeah, on the field or his, off his, is a complete his, idiot. His work ethic is off the charts and stuff like that. Yeah. So is Stephen A. on the bone? Of, of, yes, uh, I th- uh, I've thrown him on. Okay, yeah. good. Um, I threw we'll, him on when, they, when he got his big contract from ESPN right. a few weeks well, ago. Well, we'll throw his debate partner on first take, Max Kellerman, on because Max is like something weird is coming up. He's, he's getting the hot take disease. Uh, but that, I, I, but I Greg, that's what I'm telling you. That's why they get paid what they get paid. They're told to just basically go on there and say outlandish, right. stupid bull crap. Right. And and get it, people fired up. Right. And maybe Max is looking like, hey, Stephen A. Yeah. Just, just signed a contract for eight, ten million, <laughs> spouting a bunch of nonsense. There you go. I, I'm Mr. Reason. Why am I? Why am I being Mr. Reasonable, making like two or three million? A and that's year? why we're stuck here because right. we're so reasonable, we're so pragmatic. We don't say anything outlandish, Greg. Right. Maybe we need to start being a little crazy. Yeah, in man. Here. We could turn the show into a hot take machine <laughs> without much without much effort. Maybe this just, summer, for one episode, we'll turn it into a hot take machine when it's really slow. Yeah, we could just start. It, s- spouting opinion, we need to do that. Uh, outlandish opinions and shouting at each other and, yes and yeah i mean our, our numbers are steadily climbing but that will really cause them to take off we might we <laughs> might get some real sponsorship uh, if we start get screaming at each other with nonsensical sports opinions yeah so but max so uh, you could join your uh, debate partner Stephen a on the boat because you're, you're going on this week so i like it um seen or to be seen you have one i do have a couple. Uh, one is a movie, and one is a, an article. Uh, the movie I saw—I've been watching a lot of movies lately. Um, I, I, I finished the show I'd been watching for months and months and months, which was *The Good Wife*. Who I brought—I brought that up on this show before when Colin was on. Um, so I finally finished that, and I started. I've just been watching a bunch of movies. I watched a really good couple of movies last week. One of which was *Mid '90s*. It was made by Who's jo- in that? Um, at you, nobody that you'll know. Um, it's a bunch of kids. It was made by Jonah Hill. I want to say it was like an indie 
film. Um, I it's about a kid, a, a, a little boy, who is trying to find himself and trying to. Um, he, he falls in with a, a group of friends who are of all different ages and backgrounds, and they're skaters. They're they're it's this takes place obviously in the mid '90s, and uh, they're all skateboarders. And I mean, I, I don't want to go too deeply into it. It was really well done. It was. It seemed like there was the the script was merely an outline. So it was one of those movies where you were watching it and you were sort of you sort of just felt like you were there. You felt it was felt very natural. Um, it was a neat story, and it was only I'm a big fan of this. It was only like an hour and a half, which is is the the, the right number I think for you movies. Like short like, quotes and short movies. I do, I do. So I'll, I'll say that that was a good one. It was on Amazon Prime is where I watched it. But um, the article that I read was when I shared it with the newsroom yesterday. I don't know if you got a chance to look at it. It was written by John Feinstein, and it was on CBS. Sports. I saw that you sent it, but I haven't read the article yet. Yeah, and and I don't want to go too much into that, but you could seek that out. It was on CBSSports.com or CBSRadio.com, something like that, and it was about um, largely about the Kentucky Derby, and um, it was largely about how the reporters were not allowed to question the stewards, and the headline, the overarching theme of the of the article is that people today say they hate the media, but they also want everyone held accountable. Well, you can't have... You, that's right. what the media... That's what we're here for. That's what the media is for. Yeah, if you didn't have the media, you wouldn't have... People could do whatever they want. Exactly. So that's all I'll say. That's what it's about. John Feinstein is amazing as always and makes the point uh, very well. So check that out. I don't have a lot of great stuff. I mean, it's it's, pr- it's pretty much the obvious stuff. Um, the Kentucky Derby. I'm, I'm looking forward to the ending of the NBA playoffs. Um, I will say our man uh, Roger Federer is 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 is, is back on clay, and, and yeah, he's, he he won his first round match. So uh, it's been a couple of years since he's played a clay court t- tournament, and and we'll see if he could be a factor uh, at the upcoming. Uh, french open so i'm excited to see that i don't think he could pull that off no i mean i really he, don't he's really running out of steam in, in a lot of these grand slams where he's he's starting to lose uh to guys that you wouldn't think could beat him uh, uh previously so um oh man i'm trying trying to come up with a better answer than that but um now I, oh, one other thing i could mention uh, while you're thinking is that it is teacher appreciation week yes people so Make sure you thank I, your kids' teachers. And I read your uh, column about that and, and, and thought your message was, was good. Yeah, so, so I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that because it is important. Uh, these folks work their butts off. Uh, they're yeah. shape, shaping the future, and um, I don't think they get the the appreciation that they deserve. Yeah, I mean, they're so. sort of paid like sports writers, which is, they are. Which was pretty sad. But like our job, like we're, there's no real pre- – uh, there's stress, yeah. but there's no real pressure and, and people, and we're not dealing with – with, we don't we don't have anyone's lives in our hands exactly. uh, doing our jobs, but but teachers yeah. do, and, and and a lot of their work uh, is 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 thankless. Um, so I, I I know your wife could comes home with a lot of stories about uh, just dealing with her. Yeah, uh, her what, job what, what, is what, high what, stress compared right. to compared to ours. Right. So so, um, so yes, uh, if anyone's underpaid, is teachers, not sports writers. So so uh, good point there. So yep. 
All right. Well, we hope to have some upcoming guests uh, on, on the show. We hope to have a third person next week. Uh, just the schedules got a little discombobulated this week. So um, I so think we I think we acquitted ourselves quite well as, as, as we try. But we could become we could we should seriously think about the hot take angle and just just start shouting at each other. Yeah. So uh, I think we need to we need to, we need to have a, a one off at least once this summer when it's hot. And it matches the weather outside. Right. It could be our hot take day. It could be a hot, and we could have some takes. So there you go. Yep. So <laughs> on that note, thanks for listening, everyone. Just another sports podcast. Mm-hmm.